0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Nice to be back here on Tuesday morning, this beautiful weather. Um, So I I had the idea this morning to say a few words about... um, embodied practice, Um, this idea of embodied awareness, working with the body. Um, We talk a lot about mindfulness and there's a way that the word mindfulness sort of implies something that we're doing in our heads and um, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's good. Maybe a lot of practice does happen um, with the mind, through the mind. But um, there's something about the body that if if the body in a way if the body is not at the center of our practice, um, we're missing a huge chunk of of what the Buddha taught, you know. And then um, I, I was thinking about some of the uh, very esteemed, uh, wonderful teachers that I've known masters, you know, Zen masters or um, meditation masters and um, one of the, even though they're all different in certain ways and from different cultures maybe and and different backgrounds, one of the things that um, it seems to me that they have in common is this sense of their practice permeating the body their body, it's like you know their their whole being is expressed through through the body in this very it's a little hard to put into words but sort of like an integrated uh, connected beautiful way that it's um and i think about that when when i notice for myself some disconnection to the body you know some way of um, holding the body that I haven't been aware of. And then it comes into awareness and I think, why am I doing that? Like a, a really common one for meditators is especially, especially if you have the idea that it's good to sit up straight, a really common one is to subtly or not so subtly raise the shoulders. You know, and if someone, if, if you've ever been sitting for a day or a few days on a meditation retreat Often people's shoulders really ache, you know, to the point that the teacher sometimes has people go around and massage people. At least in Zen, you know, they're giving people massages. And then it, it's and so I would and early in my practice, I would be on these meditation retreats, and after my shoulders would just be so tight. And then at some point, I thought, why are the shoulders tight? You know. Physiologically, anatomically, I don't need to tighten the shoulders in order to, to be balanced, to be upright, to be straight. And there was this sort of unconscious uh, tension that I wasn't aware of. That So it, it, it was a doing that I was applying. And um, once I realized that, I could begin to bring it into awareness. And it would just be part of the practice where every... 30 seconds, every minute, I don't know what exactly the timing was, but I would notice the body and, and, and being in the body and then, and then check the shoulders. And sure enough, often the shoulders would be coming up a little bit. So just release them, relax them. And I noticed that almost as soon as I moved awareness away from the shoulders, they would <laughs> come right back up. Then come right back away, very kindly, very gently. So over time, I taught myself that I didn't need to raise my shoulders in order to keep my head up. I didn't need to raise my shoulders to keep upright. It was a sort of extra, extra tension that could be let go of. I mean, so that's one one example. Um, But I think a lot of us, a lot of the time, go through our life in some way, being disembodied, in some way, being very much in the control tower, up in in the world of ideas, world of abstraction. um, and, And we're sort of not connected in some way. And then through meditation practice, there's this possibility to um, re- reconnect, reestablish that connection. Um, so we, st- we, we start to explore this mind-body connection a little bit more. Um, the other place that it's very interesting to notice in meditation is um, how the body reacts to our thoughts our feelings, our perceptions, our concerns, our images that we have in the mind. Uh, You know, it's just one of the basic insights that we start to have in meditation that I can be sitting and basically daydreaming, thinking about something. And if it's something stressful that I'm thinking about, the body starts to respond or can start to respond as if that's happening you know so if if i'm reliving a, a stressful conversation my body may leap into action as if the body is in that conversation in this moment so the heart rate may increase um if it's a moment where I was embarrassed, or I was ashamed, or I was, um, you know, some difficulty, I can sometimes feel the face, my face, starting to blush. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, just, it's just an idea, it's just, it's just a memory, it's just, a, it's just images in the mind, but the body leaps into action. And this is a very valuable thing to notice and to see in meditation. Um, rather than saying, oh, I'm, this is bad, I'm a bad meditator, I should just come back to the breath or come back to some physical sensation that's, that's um, happening right now. To notice this cause and effect, to notice this intimate connection between the mind and the body may be much more valuable for our practice and much more valuable for our life than a sort of robotic or mechanistic, you know, no, no, I have to come back to the breath, I have to come back to, to wow, that's amazing. You know, um, I, was, I was dreaming about a meal that I'm really looking forward to, or I, I really enjoyed, and my mouth started to water. Wow, you know, or, um, you know, having some kind of, um, you know, uh, fantasy, whether it's a sexual fantasy or just a, a sort of some pleasure in the body. It's like, oh, wow, I can imagine getting that massage and the shoulders relax. Something releases, something relaxes. And so this mind-body connection is so important to see over and over again um, in the practice and then we can start to get some insight into um, the connection between um, stress, between difficult emotions, maybe between the, the connection between what some people call toxic emotions and the effect on the body, you know? It, it's so, It's so. Um, w- when we've seen this so clearly in meditation, it's like we start to view our body in a different way. And um, I don't know if anyone has heard of this book, or read this book, When the Body Says No, this is a This is a book by a medical doctor uh, gabor mate who 's sort of popular at least he 's popular in my in, in, in some circles that i 'm in and he he 's an m d he worked for many years in um, a part of Vancouver that is probably the most concentrated area of drug addiction in North America. So he has a a lot of deep insight into addiction and the process of addiction. And his famous book is called, I think it's called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, which is about addiction. And the subtitle is from, I think it's from alcohol to workaholism and everything in between. And so he's talking about just the 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 phenomenon of the the, the pattern of addiction in, in all its manifestations. But the book that he wrote before that book on addiction was called "When the Body Says No," and it is about the connection between our emotional life and just our sort of psychological patterns and mental patterns, with, which often we, you know, maybe we we learn in childhood. So, how the connection between that and adult physical illness and mental illness. So it's just sort of an interesting um, connection that he draws. And it's sort of like, when we start to see this mind-body connection really clearly, that when I think in certain ways, it affects the body you know, um, and then th- something about meditation practice and mindfulness practice in, in terms of re- re-embodying reconnecting to the body um, and so I wanted to talk briefly about sort of two I, I don't know how much of this we'll get through but it, this might be a two part talk I'm not sure but Two ways of working with the body in meditation, or two ways of of understanding mindfulness of the body. One way, which is which is the way that I think we usually talk about this, is using the body to cultivate mindfulness and develop mindfulness and learning how to um, establish. A, whole-body awareness and um, um, u- using the the signals from the body, the messages of the body, to develop and deepen our awareness, our mindfulness. So that's one big area of mindfulness of the body. And then the second area, which is a little bit more um, The word that's coming up is ancient i don't know if that's if that's really accurate but it's a more classical way of thinking of mindfulness of the body is maybe not so much using the body as a place to develop mindfulness but using mindfulness as a way of seeing into the nature of the body so it's it's saying the body is Maybe one of the most valuable places that we can apply our awareness to, apply our mindfulness to, and see something very deeply into the nature of the body Um, and in a way that opens things up for us and releases something for us. So I think these are very connected, but could you sort of get a sense of that they're somewhat different? So, j- just to review a little bit about the w- the way I'm using the word mindfulness is is very close to the word awareness. Just this, just the kind of um, basic awareness that um, is open, that's receptive, um, that is spacious. And this is the this tent. I mean, there are many different ways of being aware, and many different ways of applying awareness. And awareness can also be very focused and very. Um, you know, we we can we can develop awareness that's very focused, almost like a laser beam. That's very small, very. Um, the, the word that's coming up is tight. Although, I mean, it, it can feel tight. It doesn't have to be tight. But that's one form of awareness. In terms of working with the body and in terms of working with the, the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness of the body, it seems to be most helpful to think about mindfulness as this wider field, this spacious, open, receptive um, And this goes very well with a kind of whole body awareness, you know, that in a way can be our anchor or touchstone. Um, If we develop a very narrow form of awareness, that can be interesting and helpful, but it tends not to lend itself to an integrated practice off the cushion. You know, so if I'm really with my breath in this very small focused way, um, it's not so sustainable when I'm walking around, when I'm interacting with other people, when I'm driving. Um, There's that old story about, you know, people at meditation center um, who were very intensively practicing and practicing mindfulness of breathing and then, you know, answering the phone and, you know, saying, hello, and center, you know, you know, really with the breath, you know, really with each breath, and, you know, not that useful of a, of, of a practice in terms of our daily life. Whereas there's something about, maybe about, and this is something that can, might be helpful, might be useful to just play with and explore. If we, when we sit, we have this intention of having a very, spacious whole body awareness that's open that's just having this sense of the body in space that is something that maybe we're able to carry into walking we're able to carry it into conversations where we're talking to someone and we have some sense of what we're doing with the body how the body is how the body feels and we can still be in the world of ideas and we can still be in conversation so something about developing a whole body awareness seems to be very helpful for um this kind of embodied practice and then the very basic instruction is bringing the mind into the body letting the mind some teachers talk about letting the mind rest in the body um The the beautiful thing about this practice is it doesn't matter how the body is right now, how the body happens to be. When our intention is to simply um, rest the mind in the body, place the mind in the body, we begin to notice how the body is. It doesn't need to be any particular way. And we have everything we need to practice wherever we are. We're, you know, our body is with us. The body is in the present moment. And just to tune in and connect to the body is um, to have the idea that this is valuable, this is useful, this is helpful. Um, and what we may start to notice is areas of the body that have tension that have some kind of contraction and some kind of tightness. Um, this in itself is very, very useful to see um, because of this intimate connection between the body and the mind, as we've already talked about. Um, very often, I, I don't want to say always, but I mean, seems to be the case for, for myself and you and you can see what's true for you. But I'll say very often, some physical tension or physical contraction or physical holding is a manifestation of some form of mental tension, mental tightness, mental contraction. And there's, there's this very, very close correspondence. So, it turns out that it's much easier to see clinging or tightness or tension in the body than it is in the mind. So there's a way that the more connected that we come to the body and the more comfortable we are to be in our body, to just notice how the body feels, where there's some sense of, of struggle in the body, it's actually a ref- it, it can be a way in to a sort of uh, a, a holding in the mind and a tightness in the mind and and, and the way of practicing with that is not not um, not complicated at all is just it can be as simple as um, as noticing coming to a whole body awareness and noticing where is there some sense of of struggle in the body. Where is there some sense of tightness, some holding that feels like, Oh, this is extra. There's something here that's a little bit painful, a little bit unpleasant, a little bit extra. And just letting our awareness be with that, just without needing to figure it out, without needing to fix it, to change it, to just um, stay with it. So. I talked about this tightness that can often happen in the shoulders for meditators. And sometimes it's enough to just bring the awareness to the discomfort or the tightness, and something will release on its own. But sometimes it won't release, sometimes it will just be there, it will stay there. People have frozen shoulders, people have all kinds of different, you know, we have all kinds of different physical um, things that we notice in practice. One of the most common things is um, a kind of a a holding in the belly, a tightness in the belly. And uh, many people have observed that young children, babies especially, have this wonderful soft belly breathing. You know, it's just the most natural thing in the world for them to have this incredible softness here at the belly. And it's, in a way that's the center of the body, the center of gravity of the body. And there's a way that young children sort of can move through it when when they fall. It's my, my daughter was at the playground and she's five years old. So I think she's a little bit on the developmentally, she's starting to get lots of ideas and lots of thinking and lots of you know, sense of her place in the family, in the classroom, in the world. And I imagine that as she grows, that will correspond to more and more tightness and tension in the body. I hope not, but I mean, that just seems to be the way we develop. But as young children, there's this incredible softness. But anyway, so she's five years old, so she's sort of, she's still really young in that way, but she was at the playground at the top of one of those fire pole kind of things. And it was one of these, very hot days that we've been having recently and sunny and she got onto it and then she realized it was really hot. It was this metal sort of fire pole thing. It was really hot. She let go of it and <laughs> you know, all the way down. And it's one of those, you know, for, for parents, you know, it's like <laughs> my heart went into my stomach and my stomach went up to my feet or so, you know, <laughs> Jeez. and she was a little stunned you know I, I think just the shock of falling there was like this moment where she was trying to decide am I hurt? Should I cry? What happened? Is this good? Is this bad? Just this kind of moment of and then you know we know as parents how we react can make a big you know if we are like Oh my God! You know, and get really upset and really panic. The child will take that cue, and if we're like, "Oh, you, you had a big fall. You've, you know, but you're fine," and you know, and then and if we if we offer that sort of suggestion, um, you know, sometimes there's a different that 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 can help to create a different perception in child. So anyway. We, um, uh, I think we were somewhere in the middle, but she basically was fine. And it, 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 what I realized is that her body maybe was so soft and so relaxed and she wasn't really expecting that, that she didn't even tense up. And she fell in a way that basically she was totally fine. And she had a little pain in her knee, but just kind of brushed it off. And then, you know, like the way cats kind of can fall and, you know, without this tension. um, You know, it turns out the tension itself can create a lot of the difficulty. So... In, in this mode of practice, in this mode of embodied practice, we can just learn to tune in to any sense of tension, any sense of struggle, and and have the understanding that this is where our practice is right now, that this is really valuable to be with. This physical tension, um, there's a message there. There's, there's, there's it's a signal, it's, it's, it's a kind of data for us about our uh, our state of mind and to just be with it with a lot of kindness, a lot of compassion um, and and maybe in some way if we're able to be so in tune with the body that we're noticing um, symptoms, problems, tensions uh, it doesn't get to a point where it's actually really you know, you know into the form of a maybe. In, in some ways, there, there, there's a way of catching an illness. I know. I know for myself, if I, if I'm really, if in my meditation I start to notice there's a little bit more fatigue than usual, or a little bit of a scratchiness in the throat, I can do something that maybe will forestall or prevent a cold from coming, or some kind of. You know, if everyone in my family's sick. You know, and I start to really can I catch this so early? So anyway, this is this is one way of um, practicing in the body, being in the body, um, and something very interesting about tension. I mean, so so. I think I've said this before here and just to one, one of the probably most valuable pieces of advice that one of my teachers said to me was that um, any sign of tension or struggle in the body is a, is a sign that something is not being open to, something is not being accepted. And it's just one of these beautiful pointers that if you think of, Um, one of our primary intentions in mindfulness practice is to meet experience with a mind that accepts, that is open, that receives, that is not in conflict with what's happening. So if I'm sitting and there's a lot of tension or a little bit of tension somewhere, maybe it's a sign that something's not being seen or something's being resisted that I'm not even aware of. Something, some element in my experience. So it's just as this pointer, this beautiful pointer. So, um, the body, some people understand the body as being a repository of all the experience that we've ever had in our life. You know, there, and, th- and this is something to just um, that could be useful in exploring that there are ways that um, ideas and images and memories and experience experiences get stored in the body and I know for myself on on, on meditation retreats or in long periods of sitting it's very interesting how some memory will come up or some image of someone who I haven't thought about in years or I haven't thought about that, that encounter in years. And not always, but sometimes I can connect it to something that's, that was softened or that was released in the body. And it's just one of these interesting um, connections. Um, so this can be this can come up for us in meditation in, de, in a delightful way, and you can imagine that it can also come up in less than delightful ways you know the 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 most common form of this is um, is trauma and traumatic um, experiences and memories also maybe get get sort of. Deposited or lodged in the body or buried in the body or frozen in the body in some way, and so just to be just to be very sensitive and very respectful of the body as this um, i don't know what the word is but you know storehouse doesn't doesn't quite approach it but the body as almost this sacred vessel you know this sacred vessel of our experience and that the process of meditation is in a way this thawing out of sometimes i think about if our awareness our mindfulness is sort of like A ray of sunshine, a ray of a ray of heat, that's that is in a way melting or thawing out what's frozen, what's been frozen, um, to be very, um, you know, just sensitive and respectful for what may be, what may be there, you know, what may be there, and. Um, you know, the, the, the painful, I think just being a human being and being a human being who has experienced loss and um, tragedy and suffering, and, and of course, all the positive, all the beautiful emotions as well, but it's all in there some, somewhere. And if, if there's a way that experiences get imprinted on us, that um, we may find in this path of embodiment, in this path to being more connected, more whole, to really healing in some way, it's a path that maybe runs through those experiences. And there's a way that, not that we necessarily need to re-experience everything we've ever experienced, but if something has gotten stuck or frozen, sometimes it needs to be brought into awareness in order to be released you know and there's something in that process i remember the the first time that i returned to my childhood home after having been away for maybe 10 or 15 years and and i kind of thought oh well, this would be interesting and my family had long since moved away and i hadn't gone to that city in years and years, and when I went back there, and when I was approaching the neighborhood that I grew up in, what I can describe in retrospect was something like a panic attack. It was something like this, of like this, this very visceral, that it wasn't connected to a specific, I mean, it might might have been, if I thought about it, maybe because my father had passed away during that time, and all these... But it wasn't even like there was a one memory or one thing. But it was just like a flood of emotions. And it was like something that, wow, that hadn't been let in in years. But was clearly still in the body somehow. And this was before I, I, I think I had, I had done some meditation practice, but not a lot. And... I just didn't really know what, how to be with it or what it connected to and, but just, but just to sort of stop and just be with it and experience it was sort of enough to let it, it was like a storm and then it sort of passed through and 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 then I thought to myself, oh wow, is that why I haven't gone back in 10 years or 15 years? Because I, I knew there was sort of something there that, Um, And it it wasn't in the place, you know, it wasn't in the city or in the neighborhood, it was in me. And it was in me and all these other places that I've gone to, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't connected to it, I wasn't experiencing it, but maybe there were ways that it was, it was affecting me that I wasn't aware of. And when I could sort of Experience it and be with it and, and sort of connect to the place and the physicality of all of it and then and then it just sort of passed through and then it was and I never again had a problem with going there or or or, or being with you know the people from from that time it was just um, so anyway it's um, I offer that as just as just a way of um, sharing and that if something comes up in meditation or in this embodied practice that feels difficult, that feels challenging, um, make a lot of space around it, be really respectful of it. And um, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily, or you know, most likely it's not a mistake. It's not, a, you know, there's something there that that wants to pass through, and um, to bring this this really kind, compassionate awareness to it is um, is is one of the most helpful things. Um, and because I think often we're disembodied, because there's something that's in the body that we have some. Some intuition that is going to be painful to be with um, I, I was talking to my mom about that, not so much about meditation but about something a little bit similar about fasting. We were talking about this this practice of fasting and how people f- can do fasting for for health and and but somehow my mom got this the Idea or the understanding that when, when, when we fast or do these long fast, we start to experience all these things from our past. And she said, "I'm not interested in reliving that or experiencing that." And, 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 and you know, was was sort of very clear that um, she didn't want to go 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 on a fishing expedition. Um, so we have so many different ways of relating to the body and everything that's stored there. And um, you know, so, so just offering this as, as like, um, as that maybe one, one of the most valuable Um, aspects of mindfulness practice is finding some way to um, come more and more into our the physicality our physical experience and and letting it letting it teach us what 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 you know um, what it needs or what what's needed to be open to or to be released or to be um, let go of, um, but having a lot of a lot of care around it, a lot of respect around it, not putting shoulds you know on it, um, I think I think is the most helpful um, approach approach to it. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's um, enough for today, and then next week, because um, I 'll be back next week next week um, and talk a little bit about using the body for insight and using um, what are some of the traditional ways that the Buddha offered to um, Uh, sort of uh, ways of, of looking at the body, of seeing the body, of, 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 of um, applying mindfulness and awareness to the body that help us to let go, that help us to see the nature of the body and in that seeing, release something. You know? So um, um, and, and, and there's some classical practices that um, are, are, are designed for that, designed to help us sort of unhook from this identification with the body, un- unhook from this uh, very strong and very sort of human um, uh, way that we attach to the body and attach to other people's bodies and so, so that's that's a little preview of of next week. And, um, so, does anybody have uh, questions? We have a few a few minutes. Any any thoughts on this? Um, embodied practice, embodied awareness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: sorry I came in late um, so I don't know if you had talked about this and this is kind of a selfish question but I just came back from a, um, uh, a, a silent retreat and during the retreat I, um, I experienced a really intense um, physical um, thing that went on for pretty much the whole retreat of just the only way I can describe it is like this: like on the weather maps, you see the tropical de- dep- depression swirling. That's going to become a Cat Five hurricane when it hits whatever. And it it was here. It was like above my stomach and below my ribs. And every invitation I offered it to to release, to give it lo- loving kindness, it it refused, and I couldn't make it like budge or, and I, I literally did not sleep one entire night wow. and it was, it was intense. And I'm still coming off of that, trying to see what kind of sorts out, but I don't know if you have any recommendations, if you've ever, have experienced that. And, and I, and I appreciate what you said about, you know, giving it as much spaces and being very kind. Um, but it's, it's really hard and I don't know if there's any additional and I'm sorry if you had already touched on this. No, yeah, no.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of exactly what, you know, what, what I've been talking about, that, that um, through, through this simple mindfulness practice, simple awareness practice, and, and sort of connecting to the body, um, often, things get activated, you know, and it can take many different forms. But what, you know, that sort of storm of, of energy or of, um, of unease, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of, I mean, in a way, it's a great sign. Because it it means that, you know, it's great. Because it's like something's happening. Something's moving. Something is finally um, getting the attention that it wants, that it needs. And it's like, the way I think about it is it's not so much that the meditation stirred it up. But that you're finally, you know, and and this is kind of just... This is just a story about it. I don't know if it's really true, but it's like, you know, that you're finally um, opening to what's actually been there, but it's been out of awareness. And often, what I know for myself, um, what's out of awareness, what's on the wings, tends to control me in ways that, you know, we don't see, but. But it's there and it and it's actually um, so when we when we start to consciously connect to start to open to it and then it's little and then it grows and then it grows and then it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. it's not that the meditation is doing it, but we're opening more and more and more to what's act to what's really been there in some form or another, so in a, it's wonderful in that sense that that you've opened to it, you've connected to it, and then truly the, the most difficult thing is to meet it with um, genuine acceptance. Uh, often, I mean, if something is difficult, we really want it to go away. <laughs> you know, I mean, whether, it's a, whether it's a difficult physical pain, whether it's a difficult emotional pain, whether it's a difficult thought pattern, um, it's, on, it's painful, it's it's unpleasant. It it brings unease. We don't like it and we don't want it. And, and of course, we don't want it. And, but the fact, but the, the, the dynamic of not wanting it to be there, however subtle that is, tends to be what locks it in place. And there's this, so, so, so the practice tends to, to, you know, it comes back to um, of, of, of finding more and more ways to be with it and in, in, in truly accept it. And often what, what I notice for myself and I think many other people can relate to this is we, we have some idea about that, but we're accepting it in order for it to go away. <laughs> you know, like you, you said, it hasn't budged. And we want it to budge. We want it to loosen up and move and get out of here, you know. And, and so something about giving up, <laughs> you know, when we can finally give up, <laughs> when we can finally give up that any any need or any hope for it to budge. You know, in in that giving up, in that letting go. It, one of my teachers framed it in a sense that for him, he said, I wanna see, am I truly accepting this? You know, you could say this storm thing, or am I somehow relating to it in a way that hopes that it will just move along? Yeah, metta, ya peace and love, and you know, is it still there? Is it still there? And so, so the way he tested it for himself is he, is he the, just the reflection came to him if this unease, this physical and energetic and emotional unease, is there for the rest of my life, it is okay. So so he sort of, so he dropped that in. If this is there for the rest of my life, is this okay? And then very quickly the the word was, no, (laughs) no, it's not okay. (laughs) Good, fine, to see that. And this is a way of highlighting the resistance that i mean this is the very understandable resistance that 's there and and then so just to be be aware of that and be like, no, you know on some level of my being, that this is here is not okay i don 't want it i don 't like it i 'm resisting it, and then the practice is fine, great you 're seeing that. You're, you're aware enough to see this difficulty, which is great. And now you're aware on this other level to see the resistance to it, to see this very understandable resistance to it. And then what is it like to be with that resistance? Can I bring some sense of ease, some sense of kindness to the resistance, to the way this dynamic that's locking it in great be am i okay with you know that this is there this is what's happening right now this pain is there this resistance to the pain is there and to be with the whole thing hold the whole thing in spaciousness hold the whole thing and, and so we it's like you kind of keep going more and more space around it to just hold And maybe around that resistance, there's some ideas of, you know, whatever it is. I should be able to let this go, or why can't I let this go? Or I always do this, or blah, 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 you know, whatever it is.
1: Or I'm in big trouble if I can't let this go. I'm in big trouble if I can't let this go. I gotta
0: let this go because it's,
1: yeah, I'm in
0: trouble. I can't, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I'm in big trouble. Mm Can I can I be with that, with kindness? Can I be with those ideas? I mean, it's it's so interesting that all of these layers and all of these ideas that we have, we can start to just bring them into awareness, and that's the practice. And just and then and just there's a there's a certain um, magic and beauty to just letting this in, layer by layer. You're letting it in and we can have these great insights into whether whether it's some idea of you know yeah i mean like you said i can't live with this you know I mean that's one idea another idea which some sometimes people f- discover with around chronic pain or chronic physical pain is i have to live with this and there's something about this pain that's become fused in my mind with life itself. And letting go of the pain is almost like a death or kind of, you know, this is my life. This is my identity. This is this pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. And sort of To let go of it would be to die in a certain way because it's so connected to my identity and it's so connected. Sometimes we carry grief and to let go of the grief is so connected with letting go of that loved one. We hold on to the grief. We hold on. So it's just, you know, it's just seeing all this and, you know, just allowing. Um, but it's great practice and it's not, it's not, it's not, probably pleasant practice but that it's probably been there already and that you're seeing it you're letting it in is really good and it's working on on you in ways that we're not even aware of um so i mean i would just just to say you know um hold it in as much spaciousness as you can and keep you know keep opening up to whatever is wherever there's a resistance wherever there's some some sense of that it's that it's something is not okay or shouldn't be there or that's really worth looking at and being with and um, that's the, the the transformative power is in that seeing of the resistance. Um, okay. Okay. So thank you. Oh, well, yeah. While you were, this is on. yes. Well, while you were talking, this image sort of came to me of the breath actually coming in, almost like a nurturing food, so that the breath comes becomes actually part of the body, almost like something that you digest and gets incorporated into the body. And um, I'm not quite sure where that image is going, but I just thought I'd mention that that was that was this image that came to my mind. Almost air air is food uh that you take in. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. I mean I think that's we didn't talk so much about the breath, but um the breath is like this nexus between the body and the mind. And you know, it's it's a it's a function that's happening all the time, but we can also bring awareness to it and and yeah. It's, um, can be incredibly nurturing, incredibly soothing to breathe with something, to breathe with difficulty and, you know, with every breath, um, just releasing with every exhalation. Every in-breath can be energizing and, um, nourishing and every exhalation just releasing, just letting go, um. Next week, I'll talk about. There's there's a way of. I mean, there's a lot of ways of doing this, but one way of using the breath for insight is to um, as this connection to our mortality, actually, and that's one of the classical Buddhist ways of you know is like reflecting on how the breath sustains life, and this breath could be my last. What is that, and you know, and, and having it sort of, you know, that's a, a different way of of of, of um, working with the breath to for insight. Um, but the breath is so powerful; it can be such a great ally into just you know soothing the system. You know, with like that um, that discharge that we can have with just that. And, and breathing with, really breathing with, with, with difficulty and unease can be very helpful. So okay, well thank you very much, nice to see you. I wish you a good week of practice.